You're listening to the Arcade Vaults podcast, where we're chatting all things gaming. Welcome to the Arcade Vaults Podcast, episode 22. 22 sounds right. Um, my name's Tom. I'm your host. Um, the Arcade Vaults Podcast, we get together every week. We talk about video game news. We talk about what's happened, what we're playing. Um, normally, we talk about what's going on video game-wise in Cardiff and South Wales, but obviously, the world is ending, so that's probably not going to happen so much. Um, I'm here, uh, joined, as I always am. By Chris, how's it going, Chris? Are you okay? Oh yes, good. Thank you. It's good to be back again. Regular, it's nice. I know, right? There's a rhythm to it. Yeah. We're back again after the New Year break, so that kind of absolutely that slowly slipping away. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're joined by. I'm really happy actually to have a special guest. We always have special guests on, and Kelly's somebody that I've known for ages. I've worked with. She's amazing, but we've never really been able to have you on. Um, so. Uh, we've got Kelly here. Kelly worked really, really closely and worked as obviously a huge part of um, Belong Cardiff and the Cardiff Saints esports team. Um, and I mean, nationwide, I know you've done a huge amount with Belong and opening sort of esports arenas and being a big part of, sort of esports and Twitch stream. Um, it's amazing to have you on, Kelly. It's fantastic that we can kind of finally do it, which is great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really exciting, right? It's a weird thing where, like, when you know people on a personal level, you're like always chatting and stuff, and then as soon as the camera's on, you're like, "This is so true." Thank you so much for coming on. We really yeah, appreciate you. having you. Thank you. Um, cool. So, I mean, I guess intro's done. We'll jump into what's been a bit of a weird news week. There's been a big, big story that's sort of taken everything, but uh, we'll get there bit by bit. These are the top stories of the week. Amazing. So, top story this week. It's one that I've kind of dipped in and out of, but we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, and I'm never super into this level of Twitch stuff. Mm. Uh, but a Spanish Twitch stream has managed to clock over 2 million views. I'm relatively sure that's a record, right? That is the record. <laughs> the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we'll post the um, links in the kind of chat and stuff as we always do, so you can go and check this out for yourself as well. Um, but more than 2 million people tuned into Twitch last night to watch a Spanish Fortnite streamer, uh, David the Gref G Martinez. Um, so he had his own skin in the game as well, in the Fortnite game. He's absolutely smashed the concurrent viewer record. He's very enthusiastic. <laughs> that always gets me. I was saying beforehand, like, when somebody's got this much energy, I almost find it a bit like, I can't match this guy's energy. I've got to go and read a book or something to slow myself down. Um, did you guys see this at all? I mean, didn't see the stream, but I saw his reaction. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, like you, I do not already hold in the Twitch sphere, but uh, yeah. I acknowledge that um, it's amazing that... Because uh, I think the last record wasn't even a million, was it? The, the previous record for high of that. So they... Yes, he just smashed it. Really, really smashed it. So, you know, and he's a Fortnite streamer, apparently. So, you know, you know there's that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's weird because I have to keep reminding myself that, like, 
you hit such huge numbers, especially when it's video game anything. Everyone's a million this, a million that. <clears throat> if it's not subscribers, then it's whatever. And the big thing for me is that that's I didn't realize that their concurrent viewers yeah. was the big one, right? So live concurrent have, like, viewers, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ninja in twenty eighteen that was six hundred and thirty five thousand concurrent viewers watching at the same time, which is a huge number. Um, but yeah, two point four million in one go. That's the kind of numbers that TV guys dream of. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. The thing is, it was for a skin reveal, which is uh, quite an amazing thing because it wasn't like they were playing the game. He was just showing the skin that they'd made for him in the game, right? Is that is that right? It's like, so, That's what it's, yeah. I mean, like, to put it into like perspective, like Rainbow Six Siege last year had their invitations and that was a whole tournament over a whole weekend with so many teams. The highest like views they had was 105,000. And that was over a weekend. So the fact this guy's got two million on a skin reveal, I'm just like, what? <laughs> that, that would have been like, Ubisoft hosting that tournament and everything. Yeah, right? yeah. That's a, officially them doing it. Yeah. And they can't even get close to those numbers. No. Like when you yeah. look at the comparison, you're just like, this is insane. What like what is this guy doing yeah. for a skin reveal? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a skin reveal. It's, it's just mind blowing. <laughs> I, uh, you know, um, and, and I think also there's a, there was a thing behind it that it's the first. Um, well, it's one of the first non-English speaking big streams as well. So um, it's just, yeah, because it wasn't, there's been a, they're trying to grow the non-English channels on the yeah. platform. So uh, he's, like, Sp- he's Spanish, by the way. I think, was it, did you say that, Tom? I can't, yeah. Yeah, Spanish, yeah. Well, it would have been this time last year, not to steer us away from video games too much, right? But it would have been this time last year, we were heading into the Oscars and it seemed like Parasite was going to be the film to take an Oscar. And I remember there being a big thing with the director was saying, yeah, me making this film and it getting out there and it winning an Oscar for Best Picture is a testament to what's out there when you stop being so scared of things like subtitles and languages you haven't heard of before and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it is like, that's the weird thing with me where I'm like, this guy has too much energy for me. I couldn't keep up with it. He's going to tire me out in 30 seconds just watching him, right? And then obviously I don't speak Spanish, so I'm not going to understand a lot of what's being said. Yeah. But if there's one thing I can take from it, it's the fact that, yeah, like it's really awesome that this isn't your standard. I guess the Fortnite element of it is huge. Absolutely. If Fortnite say, yeah, we're going to reveal something live on the stream, you know that's going to pull insane numbers always. Um, but yeah, no, like it's... We talked about it a little bit last week on the podcast, Chris. Like The, the numbers are hard to quantify, but they keep going up. And you're like, well, that's got to be good for video games. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of my takeaway from it. Like, it's impressive. you got to wonder how much of it is like uh, the lockdown effect, how much of all of the, the big numbers that we're hitting in the industry in the last year are going to be amplified by the fact that we're all essentially locked in and have nothing better to do for a while. Do you know? Uh, would I don't know. But then something like Twitch, which is... You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it would stick. Maybe viewership numbers like that would stick. Apparently, they after they hit one million viewers, they, people just were trying to see how far they could go and see how many more people they could get. So there's a bit of a one-upmanship to it. So you know, that 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 doesn't necessarily smack to that doesn't necessarily speak to it being a, a lockdown effect. So it could just be yeah. people just wanting to show how What's awesome that? gaming is. I don't know effect that the kind of like the viral nature the internet has right where i guess yeah. getting to one million is hard but then also if you've got one million and you get 20 percent of those people to go away post something on twitter and they bring in another 10 people each 
Yeah. Immediately, that number's just grown massively, mm-hmm. right? So I guess it is that sort of cascading snowball effect of, yeah, the more that you have, the more you're probably inclined to kind of snowball and get more and more people involved. But it's wild. Like, it's not something... It's a weird one where we know that it's something... To be fair, it's probably something that you're way more familiar with than us, right? Because we don't tend to do a huge amount of stuff with kind of Twitch streamers on that level, I guess, because we tend to be more retro and things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have, I know you've done kind of streams and stuff in, in kind of arenas and things before, so... Oh. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hard platform to go on because I mean I think everybody will know somebody is a streamer or do you know what I mean? You can you can say I know this that, and the other. So it is one of those things where it is difficult to get on board. So again, the fact he's got two million on a skin still baffles me because you've got people who stream for hours and end and still probably get like a hundred views as like an average and stuff. Yeah. So and considering as well, it's not English as well. I watched some of his um streams before i haven't got a clue what's going on but he's so entertaining to watch and i think that's why he's he is where he is because like i said i haven't got a clue but i was like this is actually really fun i'm enjoying it because he's laughing and and stuff like that and it was it was really entertaining still can't tell you what's going on though (laughs) (laughs) it's a weird like there's a gamer centric language right i was like right i know what's happening in fortnite so i can see what's happening gameplay wise i can see him reacting I don't really. I can fill in the details. Like I don't need that so much, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, up with the hype. So if he's if he's happy and he's like killed two people in Fortnite and he shows that you're like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> kind of, right? you just you no, build no. into that, you get into it. <laughs> Good kill, man. <laughs> so yeah, it's just mad. I just can't believe it's a skin. <laughs> so I, I'm, just, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just I'm mind blown. It did pretty telling, right? Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, so uh, a huge view for that guy. A huge, I imagine a huge queue for t- Twitch as well. It must be a huge achievement just for them as a platform to go. Yes, it's amazing. We have somebody hitting that number. Um, we had a look at a few different stories, but I feel like there's just been one big <laughs> overarching story for the past week um, away from Twitch. One narrative. So, yeah, one narrative. <laughs> yeah, there's multiple stories that's all kind of come out of one. Um, so for the past few years, a lot of the Star Wars stuff in terms of video games that we've had has all come from EA for better and for worse at times. They've not had a great run of it. Um, and it seems like that exclusivity, we know, we've know we known kind of from an industry perspective that's coming to an end pretty soon, but we didn't really know when. And it seems like we're pretty much there now because Lucasfilm, which used to have LucasArts, and LucasArts was told to go away, and then EA got Star Wars, and now LucasArts are back, but it's not LucasArts, it's Lucasfilm games <laughs> which is now going to be the main output for video games around lucasfilm properties right um so they launched their website they launched a kind of sizzle reel of all the games that have come before it looks like this is what star wars and other lucasfilm type properties probably what a lot of disney type properties are going to be doing going forward which is running on this sort of publisher basis where they go we are the publisher we have these games we will go out to developers one at a time and we will work out who wants to make what game when um, so I don't think that's the end of Star Wars completely. I think EA have come out and said, yeah, we had a great relationship with Star Wars. That exclusivity is coming to an end, but we're still working on projects. They spun that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a... We're, we're not dead, we're not dead, we're not dead. <laughs> don't sell the shares. Uh, <laughs> trying to keep share prices as high as possible in the wake of the biggest property on the planet going away. Um, so the first thing that I saw that came from it, and again, we'll have links for all these down below, but Ubisoft throwing their name in the hat. So it looks like Ubisoft, the kings of open world games at this point, they've got it down to an hour, right? They're churning these things out a year after year. They're working on a big open world Star Wars game. 
which I think is going to be really, really cool. Um, Bethesda have come out and said that they're currently working on an Indiana Jones game, which I don't think we've had an Indiana Jones game that isn't a Lego Indiana Jones for... Ever. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I feel like Crystal Skull happened, and if anyone was interested, they will... What, what happened? What happened? Crystal Skull, the what, film. What's that? I, I never uh, heard we, of it. We pretend that didn't happen. Right? <laughs> it does. Everyone just kind of cries and goes, I don't know what that is. Indiana Jones is in the 80s, right? <laughs> um, there's a lot going on, man. Like, how, how, do we, how do we feel about it? Because part of me is a little bit salty that I grew up playing all these LucasArts games, and like, it wasn't just Star Wars games as well. They were churning stuff out from, I feel like some of the Rugrats games I played, even as like a young kid, were LucasArts and stuff. They they also did a lot. They were like the, the 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 they did some amazing point and click adventures, and my brain is just still not waking up yet. So I haven't. I can't actually remember what they were, but I remember. I remember LucasArts were all about the point and click adventures back in the day. They you know those kind of like um oh, I'm gonna I can't, I'm gonna have to look this up at some point and remember it for next week. But um yeah, they did uh, some good stuff back in the day in, in that front in that uh, genre. Um, I mean this is the thing, right? I'm. I need to understand the structure of this a little bit. So Lucasfilm Games. Now, Lucas, Lucasfilm was bought outright by Disney, right? So we're not talking about like a sub... It is a sub-brand, but it's like a sub-sub-brand of Lucasfilm. So ultimately, are they responsible to Disney or are they responsible to Lucasfilm? And then, I don't know, it's, it's a very weird structure. And then what happens with the old LucasArts stuff? Do they re-release that under... Are they going to re-release that with the world of remasters? you got to assume the fact that they made a point so they put out a kind of sizzle reel um, and it is a weird mix of what came before and sort of teasers for what's coming right so the fact that they're still kind of they're almost trying to make like cool Lucasfilm games is the the natural like inheritance of LucasArts right like and this is what it's going to be going forward so I think re-releases remasters stuff like that's going to happen they did um Star Wars Races, right? That got a re-release recently on Switch. Uh, Pod Races. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that is one yeah. and stuff. Well received one. Yeah, things like um, KOTOR, The Knights of the Old Republic, the big RPG one that they did, that's available on iOS and things. So those games are still out there. They're still clicking over. They're probably still making a huge amount of money just by virtue of it's Star Wars. Wow. <laughs> like it just does, right? But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting development. And it is like it throws a real question because I know that they've made clear a couple of times that Marvel, for example, which are obviously owned by Disney, which also owns Star Wars, because Disney own everything now. But Marvel have a weird thing where they go one at a time, right? Like, Insomniac spoke to... They had to speak to Disney and to Sony at the same time to be able to make the Spider-Man games that came out on PS4. And then Spider-Man's a whole other thing where he's owned by Sony, but parts of the rights are owned by Disney and things. So there's all that negotiation. There's the Avengers game that Square Enix put out that weirdly made all the same mistakes <laughs> that, that was our friends who made several years ago so disney like so it's not just ea then it's anyone who likes money a lot i think um i think i think it's a good thing the main thing for me is that exclusivity ends and it puts them in a position where nothing is off the table i guess as long as there's exclusivity there and only one company can have it you back yourself into a corner a little bit and we know that ea are one of the worst for penny pinching left right and center but the idea that they can still go cool for example, Battlefront 2, at the minute, as of recording, is available for free on Epic Games. Yes. The player base for that, over the last weekend, has gone through the roof in PC. It's the highest numbers they've ever had. 
they're currently trying to apply new servers to be able to just manage the player base, right? Months after they just announced that they're not going to be supporting that game anymore because they're done with it. And they're only releasing that that statement after they've just about fixed the game to the point where, yeah, it's actually pretty fun and pretty playable now, three years after release. I mean, I was working in retail and I was working there for the release of Battlefront 2. I don't know a game that's as big as that where we've had as many copies of that come in. A movie has come out a week after launch and the games just haven't moved. People just <laughs> didn't want it. Like... And they just about managed to turn it around and then they've stopped support and it's a really weird one because the option I guess is now there for Disney and Lucasfilm games to turn around and go cool well if you want to do Battlefront 3 that isn't broken you can but it's not just for you anymore things like Jedi Fallen Order that came out that was really good okay (laughs) I'm going through that again at the minute admittedly it is like a couple of years after well about a year or so after it came out so it's, it's fixed now it's cool, man. I Do like by oh, virtue of oh my god, is that a star destroyer? There's lightsabers. I tell you, like, that's enough to get you over. But the, the core of the problem with all of the, these big properties, when you got when so LucasArts at the time, I don't think uh, Star Star Wars was obviously big, but like LucasArts weren't they weren't just making Star publishing Star Wars games. They were making interesting, innovative games. There was there was there was small fry in a big pond really in the games yeah. world. Um, now you've got Lucasfilm Games with all these huge franchises, so they're only ever going to make big games with big companies. And I, I wonder whether that's the right approach because, you know, I can't say that based on the previous history of the way these properties have been licensed, I'm that excited about a, a, an open world Star Wars game because I, I'm just, I don't think it's going to be great because oh, I think it'll be formulaic you know I, this is one of my problems with fallen order it's formulaic it's like it's yeah it's got lightsabers it's great but oh you know when the force was it the force awakened no no the force awakened the um force unleashed sorry when that game first came out it'd been a long gap between a like a a good star wars game and it was good it was great it was a lot of fun and then they just you know, copy and pasted the formula into the second game and now they've got it's just all very formulaic just do something interesting with it you know, and not a white male protagonist. No offense, Tom. I am like the whitest malest person as well. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, th- I think you're right. Right, I think yeah. when you look at Lucasfilm as a bigger company as well, away from games, even that's what they always did really well. Is yeah, it made Star Wars and it's the biggest thing ever. But also a lot of the CG work that they did laid the platform for things like Jurassic Park to look the way that it did. Right, and. It's always weird to say, oh, yeah, no, Lucasfilm, they're going to push Bethesda to make an Indiana Jones game. You're like, Indiana Jones is a... I thought it was a Spielberg thing. And it's in that weird era of cinema where Mm -hmm. LucasArts were doing so much groundbreaking stuff that actually they had their fingers in a pie everywhere almost. And part of me does hope, optimistically, that if this is the way they're going to go, where they go, right, well, we can make lots of money on um, Galaxy of Heroes, that's their mobile game, right? That EA have done, I think. Um, which is a weird one because it's a mobile game it just sort of sits there in the app store and just churns out money and no one ever really talks about it because it's not that amazing of a game it's it's mobile and it's Star Wars so it makes money it's it's just a license to print it but I kind of like the idea of cool Bethesda are going to make this Indiana Jones game and it's probably going to be fine like we've just about hit fatigue where Tomb Raider probably isn't going to get another sequel I don't think after Shadow of the Tomb Raider Uncharted has gone away and they were kind of doing what Indiana Jones games should be doing in those yeah, two. Yeah. So by the time Indy kind of lands, 
are we going to be tired of it? I don't know. Ubisoft are really good at what they do. Like I'm going, I'm playing through Valhalla at the minute. Like it's great. They know how to make those open world games and the idea of cool, we'll do that. But Star Wars, if that's where they can make their money, and then they can maybe offer up elements of Star Wars to smaller studios that can maybe do something a bit more exciting and interesting, creative with it. That could work. Mm. I don't know. Gonna go. Yeah. You know, I think I'm going to touch on this when I talk about my uh, game, uh, my recommendation of the week. Uh, but open world games generally ha- have got a formula issue, and I think the good ones. I think I think I think I figured out what it is. The good ones hinge on a really, <clears throat> a really good story. I don't think it's even about the gameplay anymore. I think the good ones uh, about are about world setting, um, and uh, I think they're about uh, the, uh, the the plot that, that it all hinges on. Um, I don't necessarily think the mechanics of open world games are really going to change that dramatically. So I, I can't see how the um, uh, the Star Wars game will be different unless they really do something interesting in the story. And uh, I don't even, have they actually said what sort of genre the um, the Indiana Jones game is going to be. You've got to assume it's going to be no. RPG of some sort, right? I mean, it's got to be some sort of RPG based adventure yeah. game. Isn't it made by the guys who did Wolfenstein? How is well, it? That- that's, I, what, I, that's what I've heard. I think and it's I, I love Wolfenstein. Yeah, yeah. Machine so. Games. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That 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 changes things. <laughs> Wolfenstein was. Yeah. Wolf, I like Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein was so good. Yeah, so. it's good. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't think they have said, have they? What they're gonna make it into? What kind mm-hmm. of game? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think they've mentioned it. I think there's been lots of talk and whispers that it's Machine Games, and then obviously, Machine Games tend to develop their games using the. I can't remember what they call it, but it's the engine that id Software use, right, for things like Doom and stuff as well. So there's a good platform there to do something really cool with it. Mm-hmm. I, I hope it's good. Yeah, right? It'd crossed. be cool to see it. It'd be cool to see something good from Indiana Jones for the first time in 20, 30 years? How, how long ago are we now? So it's... Well, we, we are going back to the last film that was made, which was uh, the, uh, the Last Crusade, right? We're not talking about the other thing that happened yeah. after that, right? Yeah, okay. So, like, there's debate to be had over the last crusade, let alone, you know, so... It, it, it'll be... I don't know. I like the idea of it at the crux, of Lucasfilm doing what I think everybody kind of wanted them to do for the past few years, which is, don't just give it to one studio. Don't give them blanket to do what they want, because Star Wars is a license to print money. So is Indiana Jones. So are all of these properties, right? Mm. Like, Marvel's the same. You can just churn something out and make a lot of money off it by virtue of it being what it is and actually there's probably ground to do something more interesting there the idea of machine games going cool what does a period video game where you play as maybe indiana jones or someone similar like what does that look like for us as opposed to wolfenstein or it wasn't them that made prey as well was it? i think that was arcane yeah no arcane did prey yeah arcane wasn't it yeah um, but yeah, it also throws the whole span of the works of, cool, what, what does this mean for Xbox? Xbox must be sitting there rubbing their hands like, this is amazing. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah it's going to be... I completely forgot about that. It's a die. Oh, so... The other angle of it, like, Xbox are like, do we go exclusive? Do we not? <laughs> they, like, they, we don't get Spider-Man, so kind of those guys a little bit. <laughs> I can't see yeah. I can't see Lucasfilm being on board with it being exclusive. The PS4 and PS5 between them have got such a huge user base. No way that they would have gone. Yeah, this is Microsoft. No way. No way. You know, that was my first thought and reaction, right? And then I thought realistically about it. If you said Bethesda are making a big Star Wars RPG, 
No way does that go platform exclusive. Not a chance. It's mm-hmm. never going to happen. But when I think about Indiana Jones, the fact that it's a slightly smaller property, and the fact that it's not Bethesda Softworks, it's Machine Games, a team that have done Wolfenstein and have made really great games that haven't blown the bank apart as such. Like It's not like it's a... They're not a studio like the guys that do Fallout or anything like that, well, right? What does blown bank, bank apart mean, though? Because I'm... I mean, I mean, they're, they're big, massive budget games, right? If you look at the money they spend on a, on a Fallout or an Elder Scrolls, and then you look at the Wolfenstein games... I was talking about production, not about profit. Yeah, that, right, that's okay. what I mean. Yeah, Obviously, Wolfenstein, those games have done an incredible job of, I think, being really good and selling really well for not a lot of you know, budget up front. Um, so I do think if it's a slightly more kind of humble budget with a team that are more like, yeah, we're dedicated to making a really solid game, I don't think they lose that much from keeping that exclusive. I think they know that things like the Elder Scrolls and potentially Starfield, whatever that big property is from Softworks, they can't afford to make that game platform exclusive, I don't think. Mm. You know, like those games cost too much money and take too much time to make for them to just put it on Xbox. But actually, Indiana Jones is a perfect game for them to kind of go, cool. I don't think people, there's not going to be an uproar and a travesty if this doesn't make it to PS4, PS5. This is a really good way for us to say, cool, let's get it on Xbox, let's get it on PC. I was expecting something from... So the Consumer Electronics Show has just happened, right, in CES. I'm still waiting for the day that we get things like TVs that just have xCloud built in as a native app or sticks or stuff like that, right? I think Indiana Jones could be a really good game to go, cool, we're launching xCloud on this streaming stick that only costs you 30 quid and you've already got an Xbox controller and you just plug it in and play Indiana Jones, right? It could be something cool like that. I don't think it's a big enough property just by virtue of scale that they have to worry about it being exclusive like worst case scenario i feel like the worst case outcome here is it goes exclusive and everyone goes ah oh, yeah it's a shame i couldn't play it on playstation but i heard it was really good because it's indiana at, jones and it's machine games so they're a at, great team at worst it's going to be a timed exclusive There's... i was going to say timed yeah timed exclusive is the other one yeah, yeah. and that that's that's a, a friendly, soft way of Xbox not upsetting people. Because I do also feel that like Xbox and Microsoft and, and Phil and everyone in that team are working so hard to try and carry favour. They've done such a good job of being so consumer-friendly and looking mm. after people, doing the right thing over the last few years. You know, I've been... Chris will vouch for this, an advocate for, place, uh, for Xbox on this podcast repeatedly, right? When normally I'm a PlayStation <laughs> guy, I fought the corner for Xbox where I'm like, I get it, like... Gears 5 is really good. You should play it, but not many people will. But like, it's a really good platform that they're building really well. So I don't know. Maybe it does worm its way there. Yeah, I was going to say, you haven't like, mentioned Game Pass for a while, actually. You can drop it in there. For like... <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I'm just about to start playing Control on Game Pass, because that's one that I didn't play last year oh, that everyone keeps playing. I, I recommended Control like about a year ago. How have you not played it yet? <laughs> no, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Come on, control the magic game pass. <clears throat> I played all the Tetris Effect connected on Game Pass last week as well. Game Pass, man, it's great. Actually it's fantastic. I just, that was my gift to my brother for Christmas. That's it. And it felt like Podcast a really, derailed. It felt like a really empty gift for Christmas. Where I'm like, cool. It's going to cost me a pound for the first three months of the year, but I will pay for Game Pass for the rest of the year. That's your Christmas gift. It's amazing. He's just got all these games. Um, yeah, and. If nothing else, right? It goes cool, Indiana Jones. It's on every platform. But if you've got Game Pass, don't worry about it, mate. It's their day one. It's their two days early if you want it or whatever. Uh, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm like all about the PlayStation at the moment, even though I haven't got a PS5 yet. And I just, 
you know, Xbox, boo. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting. I think it's going to be a really interesting few years. I think whether or not Marvel's Avengers picks up, if they can fix that, that'll be an interesting one. You've got to assume Insomniac uh, Loki working on other Spider-Man games. I keep forgetting the Ultimate Alliance came out on Switch as well. So there are like Disney properties everywhere, and they seem to be relatively chill with kind of going, cool, who are you? Are you good? Prove it. <laughs> okay, cool, there you go. I'm um, not sure if it's even if they're good, to be honest with you. I think they're just going, who are you? Have you got lots of money to buy our license? Yeah, you'll do. <laughs> Sorry to be cynical, but yeah. let's yeah, be honest. Probably a, a more, it's a cynical but more realistic view. Yeah, give yeah. us all the money for that license. Because I'm pr- pretty sure that's what, um, it seems like that's what sort of buried Telltale games a little bit, right? Was they, they just went for the licenses. Yeah. I know, right? I, I love that stuff. <laughs> and it's because I'm pretty sure you fall in the same group as me, right, Kelly, where Fables, for me, the Wolf Among Us games, oh, yeah. incredible. And we talked last week about um, the Tales of the Borderlands ones that they did. They were at their best when they weren't dealing with massive properties. Like, Batman came out and it was fine, but it was like buggy and a bit broken. And they, they should have just kept to the little stuff. They were much better. But yeah, that is probably what buried them, is spending all that money on things like Batman and Guardians of the Galaxy, and then going... Game of Thrones oh, as well. We've got we to make them back. God. Uh, <laughs> but they did... The Walking, the Walking Dead can't have been a cheap license at the time, and they did all right with those, those I thought. I, so the Walking Dead hadn't taken off the way that it that it is now. So it was, it was there, it was on TV, people were talking about how good that TV show was, but I feel like that came... Because the Walking Dead TV show, that first season was really short, right? And then the second mm-hmm. season, they kind of bloomed, yeah, and it was a more traditional bigger. TV. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it was almost like a tester for that first season. They went, "Oh no, we've got something." Mm-hmm. And it's around about that second season that they picked up the Walking Dead. The comic book had obviously been out for years, but obviously, it frustrates me. That would have been a perfect place for them to keep going. You know, we know now that the Boys is a great TV show that's all over the place. Imagine if Telltale had put that money from a Batman and gone, cool, we'll buy The Boys and we'll buy Preacher and licenses that are a lot cheaper that they mm. could have told these stories three years ahead of the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If yeah. they'd have done The Boys four years ago, they'd be ready <laughs> four years after launch at this point. Yeah. Um, we didn't mention it because it did happen, I think, over Christmas, right? But they have said that they're coming back to finish the second season of Wolf Among Us. Yeah, apparently it's at the end of the year they're hoping to get it released. Oh. So, because they're only a smaller team now as well. Yeah. So, they're just they're just taking their time and they just want to get that one finished because the first one ended on a like, oh. <laughs> no way. So, I know, it's, it's so good. So, yeah, um, I think that was the only one and uh, maybe a Batman as well. I think they were talking about season two on Batman, but everyone's just like, don't, don't go to Batman. There's so many different kind of Batman games out there. Yeah. Go back to what's good for you guys, which is The Wolf Among Us, um, Borderlands, Tales of Borderlands and stuff. So hopefully at the end of this year. Yeah, I hope so. Because so, they made such great games. Mm. And it's that thing of, you know, The Walking Dead did so well and won so many awards. They probably had so much money all of a sudden. It's like, we can buy all this stuff. I'm like, you did really well with pretty you know like with not a lot before keep going with not a lot you i mean can, yeah sorry we've got one got a t- tangent there but i remember the, the walking dead games i mean they were really good but they were the game engine wasn't exactly like up to scratch in some ways and you know it barely hung on in the early days so the fact that they actually made money after that was quite a feat really it goes to show that people really invested in their games i thought anyway 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think anyone who's played them loves them. It's very rare that you hear people say, "Oh, I played it, I didn't like it." Mm. And is that weird thing? Is I, I have to keep reminding myself with that that a lot of those games were available on things like iPad and iOS, and actually there was probably a lot of revenue coming from the mobile platforms that are mm. a whole other sphere of gaming as well. Mm. A wonderful company gone too soon. They're not gone completely, <laughs> right? They're not gone completely. They're still there somewhere. <laughs> And as if I'm transitioning, I, I was going to say this is this is whatsoever stylish, Tom. I know what you're doing here. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm pretty good. What I've got to get down now is getting my transitions down without telling everyone that that was. <laughs> I can't awesome. help it either. I did the same. I'm as like I'm out myself on that after. And now we segue. <laughs> um, so still on the EA train because they're everywhere. It seems, as far as it's as far as we are now, it looks like. Codemasters, the UK studio, an amazing studio that obviously do a lot of things like racing games and stuff, um, an institution in this country. We spoke, was it last week or it might have been before Christmas, that there was an acquisition process going through where it seemed like Take-Two Interactive were looking to buy Codemasters. EA then swooped in and put a bunch of of money down and put their name in the hat. And it looks at the minute like Take-Two have stepped away. It looks like EA have probably managed to get a bit of a, a coup on it. It's a huge valuation. I mean, it looks like they're dropping about 1.2 billion is what they're offering to try and get that studio. Have you guys seen the story at all? Yeah, uh, a little. Briefly. Um, I uh, the, the, there's this there's two angles on this that I'd like to just bring up that I feel strongly about. One is <clears throat> it upsets me that Codemasters is seen as, and I know they have been for many decades, but they're seen as a UK racing game powerhouse and i'm like well codemasters did loads of stuff back in the day you know they were they were like a, they were a publisher they were a pioneer in the 8-bit and uh, the 16-bit eras you know dizzy everyone talks forgets about dizzy dizzy was a codemasters uh, i know they developed it they published it you know and then the second thing is that it really upsets me that ea are clearly doing this as a, a blocking thing they're not buying codemasters because they want codemasters they're buying them because they don't want Take Two to have them. Because yeah, have got in-house racing developers. They got the the developer for Criterion. They got Criterion, right? Who do uh, Need for Speed and Burnout? And they're not buying Codemasters because they want they want the F one license. Yeah. <laughs> this is very much retaining that that EA Sports perspective, right? Like they know that there's a reputation that there's there's a sporting element to EA, and they don't want anyone pushing in on that market yeah um yeah which which feels a bit nasty i mean i worry about what comes of code masters on the back end because exactly. obviously criteria haven't had a very good run of things over the last few years i mean ups and downs obviously it's need for speed and it's burnout so they're always going to sell but it's one of those i always who was the company that playstation bought or sony bought was it it was psionics wasn't it uh, who did? Uh, what do you mean Psych- 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 games. Psychosis. No, Psychosis. Uh, yeah, Psychosis. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, where like they bought Psychosis, and it seemed like, oh, cool, this is great. They're going to be making racing games forever, and eventually they just kind of go, probably time to fold, and that mm-hmm. company's gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do worry about whether or not it, it's setting the precedent for that. Right? I, I don't know why. I mean, I do know why. If you code masters, it's really hard to say no to that many. You've got a board of directors well, saying. They've got, yeah. share, they got shareholders, haven't they? So. They've got shareholders to look after. Um, so there's not a lot that you can do about it at that point. But yeah, the idea of a studio like that that's managed to live for so long and keep doing what they do and kind of dynamically change the way that 
they do business and the games that they make and, and they could suddenly just get swallowed up by another giant is it's a little bit sad. Yeah, I feel like this is goodbye to the Codemasters uh, as they are. Just like we said, Psygnosis is the perfect example, you know. They became uh, saying Liverpool for a while, didn't they? And then they just, they were gone. So this is, this is going to be the same. It'll be, you know, it'll be some EA sub-brand. Probably, actually, it might even happen to Criterion. You know, we're talking about this happening to Codemasters. Criterion could be gone. I don't know. I can't see them keeping two developers of very specialist niche racing games that are all kind of competing in the same... Uh, I get, uh, Burnout's a bit different, I suppose, isn't it? Because Burnout, the last one was open world, wasn't it? Kind of, I think. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Speed, they've been doing that for a few years as well, where they've kind of been open-world maps with races and stuff, and it's a weird one. I do feel like if you're not looking at Formula One games and Grid and Gran Turismo and those, you know, Forza, like those sort of simulator racing games, if you're not doing that and doing that really well, you're going to struggle. Because, like, you know, we talk about GTA Five all the time because it's the biggest game on the planet. GTA Five has got a relatively okay racing game street racing game built into it yeah mm. you know a lot of other games are doing similar stuff so i don't know yeah a, a sort of criterion code masters coderion gross <laughs> amalgamation of the codeirion. two like oh, as well. I see. <laughs> uh, there is there is one other question that comes off the back of this who is still playing f1 i mean who is still watching f1 is that still a thing do you know i mean I- <laughs> So I thought this, right? It threw me off a little bit. So do so you think before before the job that I'm in now, like my sort of day job, I was obviously working in game and you're around people that play video games and like often it'd be like, yeah, you know, we, we see, it's like your dads and your kids and, and people like, it's the people outside of that video game bubble, right? Like it's, I hate using the term casual game because it's such a weird throwaway term, but it's the people that, it's the people that play video games but don't, think of themselves as gamers right it's people like my dad who like yeah. doesn't play video games but when i was growing up we always had a copy of colin mccray rally because he was a rally <laughs> guy and they make great games and they sell and moving from you know kind of video game retail into more sort of tech retail away from video games as such you've got the people that play cod every single night also you've got people that have no interest in video games and that are interested in tech and tech enthusiasm and they are like, yeah, no, I I played F one, like I found mm-hmm. I found a guy who's like, oh, I play Grid religiously. You're like, really? I didn't think people played Grid generally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think with F one as well, it's more like a Christmas present. I always found that people were like, oh, have you got this game? Because I've got like my boyfriend's dad who wants it or something. It was always a Christmas present. Like, I, in my um, opinion, yeah. you know, like- it's, what, it's, it's like Farming Simulator. You only buy it at Christmas. Is it also like? Is it like those? You know those boxes that like um, old people buy you of like deodorant and shower yeah, gel. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> it's like the link set. The link set. <laughs> yeah, I guess a lot of it is that right? Like mm. he's got an Xbox, right? Yeah. Does he have? I don't know. Like this year's because as well, like because they're annualized. Does he have this year's F one game? No, I don't think we got him that. Like he won't buy it himself. He's played <laughs> the same one. He's not worried about the sponsor updates on the cars, so it's an easy gift to get. Yeah, but I think obviously based on the valuation of the company, they make money. They must like, be right. I mean, they do very well. I, they um, might even have a lock-in to the F1 license. That means that that just adds value to them. I guess it's got yeah. to be something like that, right? 
Yeah, because I know... I never remember which way it is, because there's two... There's the WRC game, which is the Welsh Rally Championship game, right? Or World Rally Championship, not Welsh. World Rally Championship game. Um, but then I think the Dirt games are the sort of continuation of the Colin McRae Rally games after Colin McRae obviously passed away. But then the Dirt games are huge as well. Like They, they also shift units. Like They really move. Okay. Um, I know, like, weirdly, I think it was Dirt 5 that came out on the PS5, and that was the game that I had a lot of people be like, this is one of the few games that really shows off that controller. Because the DualShock 5, they talk about all the sensory stuff and vibration stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, oh, it's amazing. When you go from, like, <coughs> to driving on a gravel terrain, the controller feels so different. It's crazy because of the way the vibrations work and stuff. Okay. And if it's raining, then it feels slippier. And I guess from a tech perspective, racing games tend to do pretty well. Like, Gran Turismo used to be... Every time a Gran Turismo game comes out, that's them showing off all this technology that they've made. And like that's a big mm-hmm. part of Polyphony is what they do from a tech perspective is unbelievable. And actually, a lot of that tech will be passed down to somebody else to be able to do it and things like that. So there's there's definitely value there, I think, beyond what we can see, which is probably why there's such a obvious buy for someone like EA. Yeah. You know, they're not buying one of these, you know, treasures. I mean, we know how salty people are about things like Bioware and stuff, right? Mm. But they bought those teams, and if anything goes wrong, oh, it's all EA's fault. Then, <laughs> uh, and there's like a hail of hatred, whereas actually, if Dirt 6 comes out and it's not quite what it is, people will probably go, okay. Continue <laughs> <laughs> on, right? There's not too much bad press from ruining F1. Um, it'll be interesting to see. It seems like it's pretty much a done deal. It doesn't look like anyone else is in the running and it can't hurt EA. They've got money to burn. I mean, mm. what? That's one year of FIFA Ultimate Team for them. <laughs> oh, a huge amount of money. So you know, depressing. Get that back again next year. So that's depressing. Not FIFA money. That's just Ultimate Team for a year. Uh. It's enough for them to just buy this institution of gaming innovation. Um, oh. Oh, who knows? Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Cool. Um, so the last few stories, these are the ones that we normally blaze through, because at this point, I feel like we're just keeping these stories in and making sure that we hit them out of tradition <laughs> more than anything, right? Yeah, it's traditional. But for some reason, Cal, early on in the podcast, it seemed like every single week there was some movie or TV news related to video games. Yeah. And they were like, let's just make it a segment of news. <laughs> uh, and actually, we find ourselves now in a position where we're like, I can find no TV or video game news. <laughs> We've exhausted it all, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. So, however... The first screenshots from the Mortal Kombat movie have dropped. Mm. It looks exactly like what I would expect it to look like. It's weird. Like if you think about the old Mortal Kombat movie, where I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's pretty awful, but I kind of love it. I feel like this game, this film is going to come out, and I'm like, I hate this. And three years from now, I'm going to be like, it's class, mate. It's class. <laughs> <laughs> it it reminds me of what they did with Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, in terms of kind of, you know, taking the old beloved characters, and I, I say 11, probably 10 and before, like this new plot that they weave through of the younger generation. Because that's the other thing, we, they've revealed a bit of the plot as well. And um, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> let, let, all I will say is at one point in the description, MMA comes up. That says it all about how they're pitching. <laughs> they're pitching uh, Mortal Kombat. What they actually call is it? Has it got a subtitle? Is it just Mortal Kombat? I think it's just Mortal Kombat. Oh right, right. They're going back to like simple. Oh, oh. I'm just reading it here. There's a <laughs> there's a bit at the start of the article. So the one that we that I've got here is the Entertainment Weekly one. 
but it says when you think Mortal Kombat, you think of blood, buckets of it. That kind of gruesome splatter that comes from Kali Ma Shaktiing an opponent in a savage fight to the death. <laughs> like, you know what? I feel that's the only way this works. If they own the fact, and I feel like it's what Mortal Kombat have managed to do, because they went through that weird phase where it went away for a little while, because they tried taking themselves seriously, and everyone's like, you can't, it's all really dumb. And then actually by the time I think, was it Mortal Kombat 9, then 10, then 11, where they just kind of owned it, they're like, this is ridiculous, let's just turn the madness up to yeah, 11, yeah. let's just get stupid with it. Yeah. If they go that way... And like, you know, this film is strictly appealing to those people that still get together with their friends, smoke weed, and watch Street Fighter every year. <laughs> like, even though they know it's a stupid movie. If they can get that audience Take down, that back. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they get that down, it could be incredible. Like, it could be really good. I just hope that it... Because when you mention MMA, I'm like, oh, no. Don't try too hard. Like, I don't need to... I don't need them to be pointing out, oh, yeah, no, this, this person hit an amazing triangle. I'm, I don't care. I don't care. Just do something stupid. I mean, Just do something stupid with it. I don't know if the MMA part is going to be a big part of the plot. I think... Uh, I think it says he's a washed-up MMA fighter, right? Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> it could be interesting. Um, I think the director was also... Is he a music director or an ad director or something before this? We did a bunch of commercials and stuff, right? Uh, and yeah. What does he do? I mean, you know got to start somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah somebody also pointed out on twitter that i thought was hilarious that uh, the guy that plays jacks because they've given him a mustache he looks a lot like a really jacked up version of the guy that does family ties <laughs> like sorry, what's his yeah. name i can't remember oh. um <laughs> the guy's a legend he's really oh. good oh um because he's like the source of amazing youtube videos right where somebody says a stupid answer and he's just like what? Like, what is wrong with you? But he looks a lot. I can't think of his um, name either. Steve something? Oh, it's got out of my head. I know the name. I'm going to have to Google it because otherwise it's going to drive me insane. But he looks a lot like him. So if you haven't seen the cast of it yet, go check it out. Like, Kano looks pretty good in it as well. Um, family Feud, not Family Ties. Family Ties is a sitcom. But I, I, I have faith that if they hit it right and if they're willing to own the fact early on that it's it's a bit naff Steve Harvey oh, uh, <laughs> it's a bit naff but we're aware and that's deliberate and that's kind of where we are with it it could be okay um, I mean I'll definitely watch it just yeah. for nostalgia <laughs> do you know what I mean I'm with you yeah you know, oh, if I can get it if the world isn't ending and cinemas haven't all burned down then I'm definitely going to go watch that in a cinema at midnight oh <laughs> I miss the oh, cinema absolutely <laughs> And it's, I swear, that it's the other moment as well. If there's at some point in that film where everybody stops dramatically, a fight's about to pop off, and they drop that old Mortal Kombat music... Of course they will. Of course they, they will. they do that, right, that cinema is going to explode. That's going to be <laughs> up there with, like, Captain America lifting Thor's hammer. It will erupt. <laughs> I will lose my mind. Um, I remember going to watch the Power Rangers film with a bunch of friends, and as soon as the Megazords come in, you're like, this is mental. This is the best thing ever. Um, yeah. Who knows? It's definitely not going to be the same with The Last of Us, is it? They're going to be very different video game properties on TV. Moving on from the madness of Mortal Kombat. Uh, we've got a couple of bits and pieces. Uh, Chris, the first story here, I haven't had a chance to look at yet. Mm. The Game & Watch stuff, right? Is it yeah. Nintendo being jerks again? 
Sort of, yes and no. Uh, so, um, your Game & Watch uh, that they've released, have you seen one of these in, in action? They, they, they're nice bits of kit. Um, kind of remakes of the older ones, right? The yeah. old tradition. Yeah, so it's kind of not really, it's, it's not, it's kind of retro news, but they, uh, so some people have been, uh, as, 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 as happens, have been hacking these things. And when I say hacking, they're not like, you know, not using them to break into the NASA database or anything like that. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're loading other games on there. And, um, you know, it happens, you know, I think whenever time a new bit of hardware like this comes out, people are going to try different, different things with it. Uh, so, the, there are videos of these on YouTube. Uh, we won't link to them, but because um, they don't exist anymore, because Nintendo have uh, issued copyright claims on the videos. Now, it's a bit of a tenuous thing because what they've done is they've they've issued the copyright strikes against the music in the videos that the the, the people are using, not against the fact that the the hardware is being hacked. I think they're really not happy with the hardware being hacked, and then they've just decided to go for whatever they can to get the videos taken down um and that's the kind of icky bit really i think the nintendo are kind of trying to find a way of getting rid of these uh, videos because they're kind of there's they're, they're ten a penny on if you look at i mean i'm sure you can find people hacking wii's and um and all sorts of videos like that out there uh but yeah i think it's because um uh, I'm just looking at the, the article again i think it was there was a they showed a clip of yeah, so the game, the game watch is modified to play the NES version of Legend of Zelda, and I think when they showed it working, there was some music from the game, and they were like, "Yeah, you can't have that." It was sort of like a really, really tenuous way of getting the video taken down, and it's just really, it's just Nintendo are like this, and they have been really bad recently at like issuing takedowns for things. And ugh. anyway, I just thought it was worth mentioning, just because you know. What what games are like pre-installed on that like beforehand? It's one game. It, it's, oh, is it just the one? It, it's just the one, which is why people are trying to hack it. It's uh, uh, it's well, I don't know which Mario it is, but uh, Super Mario, Super, yeah, Super Mario Bros. Uh, so that's why people are trying to um, find ways to modify them. Really, um, yeah, I mean. They actually succeeded in getting other games on there. It's quite impressive, really, considering that there's no active USB port on it. It's a just a USB power only. I'd like to see how they've done it. To be honest with you, just out of curiosity, will do anything. I don't have one of them. But, um, hmm. I think it's a, it's a twofold thing, right? Where like it shows off two things. First of all, Nintendo are jerks, and we know it is when it comes to things like copyright strikes and takedowns yeah, and yeah. things. Uh, they've never been nice about it. No. But also that that shows me that there's a clear. And it's a continuing thing with YouTube, and I know Twitch has had its problems as well, mm. of how these DMCA's and takedowns and stuff work. The idea they can go, we don't like that, so there are things in place where we can just bully our way into getting that removed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? Like actually, a snippet of music. I suppose you can argue that if you're telling somebody, because I know that there's, um, there are kind of laws and stuff in place, right? And people have always tried to put laws in place saying, yeah, when you buy your own hardware, it's your hardware to do what you want with it. Like, that's supposed to be there. So the fact that you should be allowed to do what you want with your own hardware, but Nintendo can use essentially a broken system to bully these content creators into having to take content down or blocking content to uh, stop people and restrict people from doing that. I'm not sure. There's a limit to how much you own your stuff, though. For for example, with um, back in the day of the old PS, uh, PlayStations, when people used to chip them, 
that was illegal because you're modifying something that's copyrightable or you're using the machine to circumvent copyright so copyright protection so that was illegal so you know technically yeah. even though you own the machine you couldn't do whatever you wanted to which is it's really there's really gray area with these agreements and how you own stuff and I, we know we've talked about it before where like content you don't necessarily own anymore it's just licensed you know games aren't owned mm. they're licensed but I think they're trying to start doing that with hardware, you know, which is really upsetting because it's like, it's one of the, I just, when I buy something, I want it to be mine. I want to do whatever I want to it. And it's really yeah. hard to these days. Uh, uh, oh, it's certainly hard to put a video about how you modified it on the internet anyway. Yeah. And it's also outing Nintendo for what we already know, which is when it comes to managing their older properties, that they're a bit naff at it. You know, mm. the fact that they're putting a copy of Super Mario Brothers on this machine, it's that easily hackable. But also we know that when they're putting old versions of these games out there, a lot of them are literally games that they've downloaded themselves. Like, they've ripped these ROMs. It's not copies or optimized versions of the games. They're ROMs. Like, the same people that are stealing these games, you're using the same version. So there's not even a differentiation. Well, wasn't there something with the Nintendo's, the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo Minis, where they were saying the games that were on there were actually ones that they they downloaded from other places? And actually, other than that shell and that controller, it's not much more than a Raspberry Pi in there that you just chucked a bunch of games on. Yeah. yeah. You know? They still sell bucket loads. They're nice <laughs> yeah, kits, they, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they're really nice. And I guess that's the big appealing thing, right? If they can make products that are nice enough and appealing enough, they won't need to worry about people doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's, what is it, $50 for the hardware and a copy of Super Mario Brothers? Which doesn't seem unreasonable, but actually... How much does it cost you for a year of the Nintendo Switch Online thing to get all of those NES and SNES games? It's uh, not bad. I forget. It's, it's 45 quid, is that? No, that's, that's PlayStation Plus, isn't it? It's less than that, yeah. 20, 26, I think. Yeah. 26 has come to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's dirt cheap to get all of those old Nintendo games on your Switch. So at that point, it's like, well, if I can get all of those over there, what, you don't want to chuck a couple of them on this new piece of hardware that I bought that's supposed to be a celebration of you know, Nintendo history and Game & Watch history mm-hmm. and Mario history. Nintendo being Nintendo, they seem so... I guess it, it is also something that... I think in Japanese business culture especially, they seem to kind of work on their own basis. There was a new story that popped up over, I think, last week about um, Xbox going in and trying to buy Nintendo years ago before they launched the first Xbox and essentially getting laughed out of the building because these Japanese executives were just having none of it. Like, they're just not even vaguely interested. <laughs> You're like, oh no, you didn't bow right. Off you go. Like, they, you know, they, they can be like that. Yeah, so, they seem consistently detached from the rest of the world, which I guess for better or worse. That culture argument, though, kind of gets a little bit muddy when you look at how PlayStation, also a Japanese company, or Sony, have behaved. And they're not great in some respects, in some ways either, but uh, none of these big companies are. but... I'd say they behave significantly better than Nintendo with regards to how their content's done online, but yeah, anyway. That's the big pull as well of, I know Sony, what, PlayStation of America? Sony of America? But I know like the American team for PlayStation and like PlayStation Europe have far more pull and carry a lot more clout. Oh, Nintendo of America, yeah, yeah. Nintendo of America do, and obviously Xbox have the the huge benefit of they're an American company born and bred, right? Like Microsoft Mm. have always been there, so who knows? I just don't be jerks. It's not hard. It's well easy. I do it most of the time. And the last one, which I had to bring up. Oh, there's a surprise. First of all, <laughs> first of all, I, like, 
we talked before about, and I guess we've kind of talked about it now, right? The kind of retaining of these older games and making sure that games keep in cycle. And Limited Run are a company that essentially, when games come out digitally, Limited Run are the guys that go, cool, we're going to work out a way to get a physical version of this out. They speak to a lot of independent developers and stuff to go, I know it's not very cost effective. We can make this work for you. They're really, really good at that. Scott Pilgrim versus the World was an amazing beat 'em up game that came out in line with the movie, okay. but the game is based on the comics, and it's got an incredible soundtrack as well that I constantly force onto the the sound system in the arcade when we're open as well. <laughs> Do you? Um, I've not noticed that, Tom. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know the songs, even if you don't think you know them. <laughs> um, so it's a fantastic game. Uh, it went off all stores a little while ago because of licensing complications and stuff you couldn't get it anywhere you basically if you had if you had it downloaded on your ps3 you were fine if you didn't you don't i'm relatively sure one of the ps3s we have in the arcade still has the game on there right because it's my old playstation 3 i think possibly we've had so many yeah. so many different ones in there um, but you, you couldn't really get it for a really long time um it's now been released so it's available on switch it's available on pc i think PS5 and Xbox as well, I would assume. Um, and also Limited Run, uh, doing a limited run of the physical version. It took them three hours to sell through 25,000 copies of that game. It's quite that. impressive. Keeping in mind that those physical copies, I haven't looked at the prices on them, but they're going to be probably a little bit more than you will pay for the digital version. Plus there's delivery and shipping, and you know, you're know you not going to get it until the end of February, and you can download it now off you know, the digital stores. It's sick. It's well good. I'm really happy about it. Like, you see the collectors. It's so good. It's so good. It's I so good. Buy it, but it was so good. I was like, <laughs> do I spend all this money on it? And I, I just got the normal edition. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, I got the digital one. What did I you? Urge. And, and it, it hits both boxes as well. Where like I wasn't a Nintendo kid growing up. I was a Sega kid. And that Sonic the Hedgehog style kind of cover that they've got on the game where it kind of looks like the old song of the hedgehog. Oh, my God. Uh, so, Kelly, <laughs> I, I get, I'm taking it you're a fan of the whole Scott Pilgrim world. So, I like the comics and the game. I didn't like the movie. Oh! Controversial, oh. I know. Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Tom, how do you feel about the movie? I get I I love the movie. Uh, oh, do you, I, Tom? I did not know this. to love the movie. Like, I'm a big Edgar Wright nerd anyway. I'm one of the people that are like, Ant-Man's fine. But we didn't get Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. I'm one of those people, right? Um, but no, I, I also like love the comics, right? Like I started okay. reading the comics because I heard rumours that Edgar Wright was going to be working on the movie and then oh. read the comics, fell in love with the comics, watched the movie, really loved the movie and just kind of came to terms with the fact that those are, up until probably about halfway through the movie, they're very different things, right? Mm. Um, I've been keeping an eye on... So Oni Press, the guys that kind of printed the book and stuff for uh, Brian Lee O'Malley. They've got the colorized version of the books as well. So I've got all the books here somewhere, but they originally printed in black and white. So I keep looking. I think it's it's over 100 quid for the whole set in color, but I really, really want them. And it's the thing of like having like the black and white, the OG ones that like my mum got me when I was a kid and then the game and then the color. I kind of want that all. Maybe a special edition of the movie somewhere as well that we'll just hide if ever Kelly comes to my house. So, uh, <laughs> you haven't got the... Neither of you got the uh, pre-ordering for the uh, physical game then? No. They were gone mm. so quickly. Yeah. It, it's one of those as well. They'll be on eBay. Yeah, they'll, yeah at a huge price as well. Yeah. The thing that gets me is it's that weird kind of thing where I was kind of like... 
they'll go, but they won't like go go. And then by the time that evening, I was like, oh yeah, no, that's today. Went online, had a look. I was like, oh, oh, oh okay. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite a ticket grabby thing. I remember trying to get tickets for My Chemical Romance and being heartbroken immediately. Um, I couldn't even get on the website, so it wasn't quite that bad. But as you can see, a lot of my adult life is me standing in digital queues, waiting to grab on to bits of my youth. Um, you know, essentially, what that, I do. I, that's what most adulthood is. <laughs> that is adulthood, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think it's really good to see. I think people have been talking about that game for such a long time. They've wanted it back for such a long time. It's great that it's even coming out at, at all, because I assumed that it was just dead in the water and it was going to be gone forever. Um but yeah, it's 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 awesome. It comes with uh, the DLC packs with extra characters and stuff that they release as well. So um, you can get a digital storefronts pretty much everywhere. I think Switch, PS4, Xbox One. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's one of the few ones where, like, well, one of the first streams that we did on Twitch, right, was Streets of Rage Four when that launched. Yes. Yeah. So if you're into that kind of game, we've got history with the streets of rage franchise in a big way we love those games um but yeah like it is like if you like scott pilgrim or if you're even vaguely interested in it it has all the things that make streets of rage good like the gameplay is great the music's awesome it looks cool and then it's scott pilgrim as well what's not to love about that all right amazing so i think that's it for our new stories this week um we got through it God, I hope I never have to speak about Star Wars again. No doubt it will come out. Um, you, you, that, that, how can you? That that statement is just. That, you know that Star Wars will just be a factor on anything we do forever and ever and well, ever. Well, we did what we could. Oh, actually, to close off the top stories, I suppose we didn't want to hack on about it too much because it's been oh, yeah. exhausting talking about cyberpunk <sighs> after week. We're not going to talk about cyberpunk this week deliberately. However, what I will throw out there is that Jason Schreier, who formerly Kotaku, now he's Bloomberg USA, yeah. but he had a really great piece that went up on Bloomberg USA. So if you've been even vaguely interested in all the chats about things like kind of labor treatment and stuff like that and the development of the game that we talked about, it's a big sort of article with interviews from people internally at Cyberpunk, people that are previously Cyberpunk. Um, it's really, really good. He's fantastic in doing that work. So we'll drop that in the in the link as well, just so... You can jump in and give that a read. But we're not going into it. We're going to go straight on. Did you see when they started developing the game? I don't want to know. Four years later than they announced it. Anyway, we move on. That's all I wanted to say. They announced it in 2012, I think. That's right. And they didn't start development until 2016. That's in the article. But just... Nothing yeah. more. No more. The big takeaway from that was, like, I think the big quote that I saw in it was people going, yeah, it was a clear sign of a game that was over-ambitious and that they all just went, we made The Witcher. This'll work. <laughs> and that was the takeaway. <laughs> not so easy, it turns out. Not so easy. We're not going to go into it. What no. we're going to do instead is uh, we're going to go straight over to Scott for this week's tale from the tabletop. Good evening, folks. Welcome to uh, another episode of Scott's Tales from the Tabletop. Um, what we're looking to chat about this week, well, I gave you some hints about last week's uh, Candlekeep Mysteries. As it as the week has gone along, it looks like D&D Beyond has been putting out more posts and articles on that. So I would thoroughly recommend that people have a little dip over and have a little look. 
back in my previous post it looked like and i gave you guys a bit of a steer you folk a bit of a steer that, that this was something along the lines of the same as ghosts of salt marsh as the week has progressed it looks like it's it's a campaign book that's going to be slightly different to the previous ones they've done um wizards it seems to be have actually set this out as independent playable adventures so you know it's all set within candlekeep which is the greatest law repository law repository put my teeth in this evening on the sword coast in fact probably in realistically the whole of of Faerun. um these adventures are apparently according to the latest articles that are available which i'd encourage you all to take a look at standalone you can weave them into any existing adventure you can run them standalone by themselves you could probably even like i've said in the past tie a campaign together that will allow you to just pop your way through and play your way through the adventures uh, from start to finish um the reason that i don't want to go into too much detail on this now is because it seems to be that each of the authors that has written an adventure for the anthology that is the candlekeep mysteries is releasing an article a day and what i would like to do is actually go through each article as they come out and give you my thoughts on what the author has had to say um, once I've got them all available so that I can really highlight the differences between them. Um, so that's something that people would look forward to, then give me a shout. Something that I picked up off some of the comments and that people wanted to know um, before we get into character generation and all that stuff is what do people do when they first sit down to play D&D? Now, I know that that is a really overarching statement, but... I think what people have been referring to and having chatted to some people, they have been referring to session zero. Now, if you've never had any experience of playing D&D before, or indeed you're considering running as a GM and you think, well, how do I really start things off? You can go no worse than a session zero. This is, say, for example, you agree 12, 12 sessions for a campaign. You take the first of these sessions or make a 13th session. And you sit down and you have a chat about things like everyone's level of player experience. This is probably the most important one, um, but we'll come back to it in a second. Do you want the players to drive the story arc or do you want them to get caught up in some sort of larger off-world plot? Do you want the players to be able to do a, a world builder style campaign? What type of campaign are you looking for? Do you? Is there any topics that you don't want? to come up in the game at all is there anything that you think to yourself actually yeah, kind of gives me the gives me the fear i don't particularly want to have to talk about that is there any part of this that would just be a touchstone too close to your players real life experiences because there is nothing worse than using a game like dungeons and dragons as an escapism to put a fantasy world in from real life troubles that you might be experiencing or overcoming and then have those same issues come up as your character um it, yeah is there anything that people don't want to see is there anything that would they be able to handle in small doses or just would make them uncomfortable do people like small meticulous details miniatures and movement and ranges or do you subscribe to the rule of cool, free-ranged, flowing, narratively focused combat and campaigns? Or do you want a happy medium in between? 
Would you like to be able to visualise it? Would you like to be able to count ranges and work out spells? If you're a magic user, do you want to use casting components? You know, those type of things. Um, what genre of game do you want? Um, what genre of game are you playing? What are you looking for? Is it emotionally intense, romantic horror? Is it grimdark? You know, what, what are people comfortable with? Now, contentious topic. Does anybody want to use any safety tools? So they want to have a, an RPG questionnaire to complete before. Do's and don'ts, yeses and nos, hard limits, soft limits, safe words, anything like that. Um, do you want to play the object system uh, where there's an object in the middle of the table, sometimes known as the X card system, where it's replaced with a with an X, a red X card, um, where if somebody picks up that object, you stop the game there and then and you discuss what was making them uncomfortable. If it's an individual's personal experiences, the GM can step away and say, OK, was that? What, what 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 was it about that what could we do differently what are you uncomfortable with you know because even as a gm or other players we still need to be mindful of other people's experiences let's talk about it but let's not let the session end let that player be continue to be uncomfortable let's stop and address it there um do you like random encounters just open a door and somebody tries to stab you or do you like to have a an encounter where it push the story forwards do you need to have a reason to go somewhere to fight somebody do you like to have a reason to journey through a combat encounter um this one is one of my personal favorites it's something that i like to try and bottom out with my groups as a player and as a gm what are we aiming for are we are we looking for a world or a law driven world that has deep talking level lore? Am I able to sit here and combine character origins, family backgrounds, histories, Xanathars, bring everything in and, and set up a character dynasty that goes right the way back through the decades where, because I enjoy this character so much, if they were to die, I can just write Junior on the top of the character sheet with an established lineage and come back to avenge a family member. Um, is there so much of a world-driven history out there that my players can key into, um, or me as a player I can key into? Do I have, you know, religions, law, uh, historical places, events of significance, things that I can key into, can, can access and find out more and is prepared by the GM? Or is it a case of I just like a bit of a fantasy, you know, tale, simplicity to things? You know, it's a fantasy world. There are there are dragonborn, there are elves, there are dwarfs, there are gnomes. There are you know, all the different races are represented in D and D. You know, it, what, what 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 do I want? What 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 level are we pitching at here? Um, <laughs> the most contentious question of all: How often would the group like to meet? Um, we've all seen the meme. We've all seen the <laughs> you have my sword, you have my bow. Um, Thursday at 7.30 is not really inconvenient for me. Uh, you know, we've all seen that meme, but I think it helps if at session zero you can sit and you can understand, look, is there a particular day? Is is it, you know, what frequency should we be playing the game? Should we be doing weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, you know, quarterly? Um, does player A have young children who need to be in bed for a certain time? 
you know, just play a B, finish work late so that they have they can't start before a certain amount of time. It's important to try and factor in everybody's work-life balance. Um, because all that you do if you don't do something like that is, is, is set yourselves up as a group to fail because you will have four players who are committed session zero you'll pick the wrong times and, and we all understand that things have to move and situation changes but you will then realize swiftly that player player c can't make it one week in three or you know player d is, is continually missing because you start the session too early and by the time they finish work you know it's not worth them playing because then you finish it like half an hour later. You know, if player D finishes finishes work at eight and you start your session at 5.30 and finish by nine, it's utterly pointless them ever playing a session. You know, have that conversation, work it out and plan a, plan a what seems to be a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable campaign. Now, there's obviously more we can talk about on each of these topics, which I will in subsequent videos. I think we'll, we'll bottom out session zero first, then we'll go on to the character creation stuff because that's what people want to see. Uh, and we'll go from there. So I'll pass back over to the guys. Uh, thank you ever so much for tuning in this evening. And as always, if you have any questions, my proverbial door is open. Comment on the social media, message me directly, um, and we'll go from there. Thanks, folks. Amazing. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much, as always. So, moving on from Tabletop Wonder, a talking point we kind of... We've talked a lot about licenses because of Lucasfilm and everything else and all that stuff. So the talking point that I kind of wanted to bring to the table and throw out there... I mean, I guess we did it with Scott Pilgrim as well, which is great. But is there a kind of license or a property that you would like to see bought into video games or that has maybe been bought into video games before and didn't quite work and you'd want to see it differently. Like I would love an Avengers game that doesn't suck, you know, things like that. I just wanted to throw that out there and see, see what happened. Um, I think that uh, there has been a problem with the way that games uh, take on franchises tv and film franchises i think it's the years they've had they've not been able to get it right every now and then they'll get it right but most of the time it's really formulaic it's really the same or stuff i think that they could do with making a twist on this and so um do you know there's a tetris movie coming out well they've talked about a tetris movie coming out apparently um it is happening uh taron egerton uh if i hope I said his name right uh the guy from who played? Oh, the Kingsman. Yeah, the Kingsman guy, yeah. uh, a, a Welsh, uh, a Welsh idol. Um, he uh, apparently is, he was in the he's going to be in the film. Um, but then I think what they're doing, and I hope I've got this right because I should have read this before I start talking about it. <laughs> they're do, they're not making a film about alien blocks coming from the sky. They're not directly adapting the the, the plot of Tetris. They're actually focusing on the more interesting story about Tetris, which is the web of licensing and the Russian intrigue and all this stuff. There's a, there's a really interesting documentary about how Tetris came to be and all the, you know, because Murdoch's empire was involved and Mirosoft and there's Americans fighting with Nintendo, fighting with Russians and, you know, Russian gulags and all sorts of story. It's a really interesting story and it's all just about the licensing for Tetris and this is why we have so many different versions of Tetris. And I think that's what they're making into a film. That 
is interesting in a weird way. Like for me, anyway, I think it's more interesting than. So they need to do more stuff like that, not necessarily about the game plot, but maybe more about around the game, yeah. how it was made. I don't know. Almost but like a. You know how everyone always says, like, oh, yeah, Apocalypse Now is fine, but the documentary about Apocalypse Now is even better. Imagine a game where, like, your whole point in this game is to try and get Apocalypse Now made. <laughs> like, that's, that's imagine, it. imagine if they'd been filming behind the scenes for, for, in, uh, for, for following the progress of Cyberpunk right now. I know, you know we we're not going to talk about it, but actually, can you imagine in a year's time, you know, they released the, the film documentary about the making of Cyberpunk. That would probably be that would probably sell quite well. Probably sell better than the film, to, uh, the game, to be honest. So, oh, I, I think I think you talked before about um, Kojima, right? Like when he left Konami and everything that happened with PT and Silent Hills and Metal Gear Solid Five, and like we all I want to know what happened there. Yeah. I want to be a fly on the wall in all those meetings to try and work out what's going on. That's probably it's more interesting than the game, right? Yeah, uh, there, there are. I mean, if we're talking about directly licensing game. Get, uh, the plots of films into games, I should say, not the other way around, uh, because that's you know that's part of the TV corner in our news part. Um, the the just it's sometimes they take it too literal, and it's just like I want to see something interesting and different. This you've presented this story or this world to me in this form. I don't need to see it translated directly to a different medium. Translate the story to something else as well, if you can do that. Maybe set it in the same universe. It doesn't have to be like. A blow by blow account. You know, can you? I can imagine, like the Indiana Jones game could be like a a blow by blow, um, quick time event game of like the Temple of Doom, and that would be really really boring. But you know, an executive will just see that and go, "That will sell. Just do that." That's my worry with uh, these things, and that's why I think it's more important to do something interesting. With it. I don't know. You go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> like, mm. <laughs> no, maybe I don't. No. Know. I think that I suppose it's a weird one that I throw out there. We mentioned it actually in our break, interestingly enough. But I think about sort of like the the big open worlds that we have, and games like GTA and stuff, and a lot of them kind of are doing this already, right? But something Tarantino would never do anything with video games. He barely does anything with cinema because they're not making films the way they did 20 years ago, right? So he's definitely not going to make the jump to to cinema. And I guess I always thought, like, the Mafia games, I thought they were they were pretty cool in terms of, oh, this feels like like The Godfather. But it's, it's not The Godfather, it's Mafia, but it's The Godfather, right? And then, like, Mafia 3 came out and it was an okay game, but the idea of that being a sort of 70s crime movie almost that you're playing through, I thought it was pretty cool. I think Tarantino, more than anyone in cinema, has such a, whether you love it or hate it, such a distinctive style and like look and feel, the way that they're movies that are kind of love letter to movies at the same time as being great movies. Mm. I kind of like that a little bit. I always think about, um, <coughs> I just can't remember the name of it, there was a John Woo game. I want to say it might have been Jackie Chan that was in it as well. I know, where it was I supposed to be. I've seen it. We, I saw a try. I, I, we. I, it's a PS One era game, right? And it's yeah. I want to say it was like PS One or early PS Two, but it was it was supposed to be that kind of John Woo action movie. People diving with guns, doves for some reason. Like it's supposed to feel Sorry. like that. And it was designed to feel like that, right? And I always thought that was kind of cool, like the mafia games and things. I feel like Tarantino's world and the way that you've got this game that's sort of 
intertwined with all these different things is really cool. Um, I feel like far too often, I guess, I guess what I would like to see more than anything is not necessarily a movie property turn into a video game, but a video game that is there to kind of go, cool, this is a video game. We're going to do the things that make video games cool and use that as a way to explore cinema in a different way, right? Like, we don't want this to feel like an interactive movie. We want it to feel like a game, but we want to sort of work our way through movies. But, if it makes sense. but this is the problem, right? It's this, this, this idea of adapting content from one to the other. We, we've already got that. We've already got John Woo in games in Max, the Max Payne series. We've already got um, Indiana Jones and and cinematic games in the Uncharted series. We we don't and in the Last of Us series, we don't need to have one made into a TV series or a film, or the other or film or TV series made into games. I I, I think it's. It's nice, but I can't ever. I'm, I'm probably lying now, but I can't ever remember playing a game that was from a film franchise that I was thinking, "Wow, this is the best thing ever." And I'm, I'm probably lying. I'm probably there's something that I love, but I just can't think of one right now. Well, I feel like something along the lines of this conversation before I saw on Twitter, and there was a real sense of irony to me that one of the kind of verified responses to it was Bruce Straley, who used to be Naughty Dog, now he's independent. But obviously a big part of the Uncharted series and then The Last of Us. And he was like, yeah, maybe we don't need to be taking licenses. Maybe we should be putting all of our energy and focus into making new licenses and video games. Mm. Like, yeah. You're going to tell me that at no point your company tried to get that Indiana Jones license? Come on. <laughs> like, there would have been a point where like, I think we got to think, could we make it an Indiana Jones? No? Too expensive? Cool, we'll go with that guy then. Um, yeah. How about you, Kel? Anything you could think of? Um, well, I, I do like a good old quick time event game. Um, so I've thought about this. I would like something like from Criminal Minds as a quick time, just because it's something different. It's not based, it's loosely based on a TV show, but it's more you've got to think how to solve the cases. Because um, I remember age, it's kind of like LA Noir, but not really. <laughs> so that's a good idea. I loved LA Noir. I thought that was really cool, but then I don't know if you've played it, but when you get to the fire department at the end it's a bit like boring <laughs> yeah. but i think stuff like that it's just it's different because it's not your usual hack and slash open world or whatever it's just yeah. something different um I, and i think stuff like that would be just be a nice like it's missing it's missing in the market yeah. i think stuff like that would be cool yeah i think you're spot on i i i, I love those sort of games i i, I was a re- big fan of uh becoming, you know the the whole con- concept uh, dreams the, all those games i, I love them Mm. Just like love the you're kind of working through. It's kind of video game niche, but really you're kind of playing a film, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was like the, there was one on PlayStation. It was like it took around five hours to actually complete. It was made by um, I can't think of who it is, but you, you are a detective in it, and it, it's it's up to multiplayer. You use your phone oh, to. Um, do you know what I'm thinking of? Agenda. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Right, the guys that do like Intel Dawn and stuff. Exactly, yeah. And I thought that game was really good, but it didn't last very long because it literally took like five hours to complete. Oh. But I like, I loved the concept of it, and I was like, "This is cool. This is something different that I can't say I've played something similar to it." So, yeah. Um, did you really cool to throw in that? Did you ever play um, her story? No. It was on like I think it was on PC. I want to say it was on iOS as well, and that was a really weird. So if you think, like, when you go into the game, you're pretty much looking at a computer screen, like a desktop, right? And you've got to kind of work your way out, and you find a folder that's filled with kind of clips and segments of an interview with someone that's obviously been involved in a crime. 
but they're all out of order and stuff. So you're kind of going through, you kind of got this interview sequence that you're going back at and trying to work out like, cool, what, what did she say when? And based on what did she say, you're trying to piece together what happened based on this kind of fragmented thing. And then it slowly develops. Like as you watch, you're like, Oh, actually the more that I look at this, she's not telling me the whole truth. And like, she says that that happened there, but it didn't quite happen that way. And there's that sort of procedural thing to it. So I, I, I know what you mean in terms of like, I guess that sort of cerebral element mm. of like crime TV shows and especially like in the fervor of crime documentaries. Like I just finished watching Night Stalkers and it was amazing. Um, watching it now. <laughs> but the idea of kind of going through almost like LA Noire, like you said, but without any of the GTA stuff almost and with more of a better version of the crime solving stuff. Yeah. Maybe one where I can press a, a, a witness without just screaming at them would be amazing. <laughs> like, like, doubt her. I, I mean, want to go, I'm not sure you're telling me the whole truth. Instead I go, you're a liar! <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> did you, have you played uh, the the Batman VR game that they did for PSVR? I played bits of it in the arcade, but not hugely. Yeah, they did, um, I think the crime solving in that is quite innovative and interesting. And it, it could, I could imagine. See, VR is a good vehicle for translating, um, sort of uh, one medium to the other. I think because actually, who doesn't want to be Batman? As an example, but you know. Um, so yeah, the crime solving I mean, that works really well, and it's a self-contained story. It's quite small. So yeah, when I said earlier that there wasn't uh, content from one medium to other, I didn't. I mean, Batman's an example. I, have, I actually the Batman games are great, but arguably. Yeah. Batman doesn't really translate from film. You're not translating stories directly from film to game, are you? You're translating them, the concept of Batman and fitting a plot around it more than anything, I guess. I think that's the, the most interesting part, right? Is having to look at, cool, like, what can you do in video games that you can't do anywhere else? Like, you can watch Spider-Man swing around oh, Spider-Man, in a Spider-Man course, movie, yeah. but, like, playing Miles Morales... And I think it's going to be really cool watching them develop that. But swinging around in Miles Morales, I mean, like, this feels cool. Like, just swinging around that city feels like it felt like when I was a kid doing combos in Tony Horse Pro Skater. Like, I feel slick and stylish. And, like, I've got all those cool points that Miles has, despite me having none of them in the real world. Yeah. Like, it does a really good job of that. And that is a thing of, cool, well, what... We can do all the obvious stuff with Spider-Man. What can we do with Spider-Man in a video game that you can't do anywhere else? You can... I mean, they tried it, right? Was it the the first Amazing Spider-Man film, the Andrew Garfield one, where they had that kind of segment that was first person as Spider-Man? So it's kind of Spider-Man swinging around and rolling to make I'm you sorry. feel like it. I was like, nah. Because it, it ends with a bit where he kind of jumps to a building and he sort of sticks to the wall and then you see him reflected. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I see what you're trying to do here. You're never going to get that in film, like ever. Mm. It's just not something the film can do, right? It can't be equipped to do that. And actually, video games are the perfect place to try that. Like, Batman's the other one where if you're watching Batman sneaking around air vents in a movie, it looks kind of dumb. But actually, <laughs> in a video game, like, no, this is what Batman would be doing. I feel like I'm Batman. This is on point. But that's the thing. It, I think that's why VR works really well for that. If you're, if you're playing as Batman walking around rather than controlling Batman in a vent, I still think you've still got some of that, what you're talking about, that kind of like, well, it's not necessarily as interesting as being Batman. Christ, like, I'm yeah. Batman. I'm crawling through a vent. This is amazing. That would be... I think that translates better uh, than... Uh, yeah. And so. 
I think there was there was that period where we were doing events in Tiny Rebel, I want to say, or Amanthi events. And quite often, when you walk in, the first thing you'd see when you get to Tiny Rebel when we were running those events was the VR setup and people playing it. And it was always amazing watching people in that VR game, the moment where they kind of go, oh, it's like a Batarang, and they kind of grab it, and they go, oh. Like, like, oh, yeah. That bit was hilarious. The no. Batman super, like, this is amazing. And without fail, every single time, people would immediately be like, nipples. Like, <laughs> Every time, but no, no one would play beyond that bit. See, because once they put the suit on, all they want to do is just throw batarangs. That was it. They yep. were just spent like ages, just like I'm Batman. I'm throwing batarangs, and they just were there for yep. like ten minutes. And you're like, yeah, you need to move on now. It's like what, there's more to this game. <laughs> I was just, yeah, immersion is um, is probably key in some ways. I think to a successful translation yep. of a of a tra- franchise. But yeah, you know. Yeah, I think like Scott Pilgrim we mentioned earlier, and I'll throw it out there just because it's a really good... Wait, you mentioned Scott Pilgrim today. You did mention Scott Pilgrim today. (laughs) But if you think like Scott Pilgrim is a comic book and then a movie about a guy that sees the world through this lens as if he's in a video game, as if he's in his favourite cartoon show, like that's how Scott sees the world. You're almost seeing it like he's the hero of his story and you're seeing it the way that he thinks he can see it. Of course that works as a video game. You just reverse engineer and go, yeah, what if we actually put him in a video game? It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will throw out, I think, um, probably better than... I guess it's why Tarantino's universe as opposed to a Pulp Fiction movie made more sense to me. The idea that, yeah, there's a certain style and feel and aesthetic. Um, the Nino Cooney games, I feel like they did a really good job of kind of going, cool, we're not just going to make Howl's Moving Castle or a Ghibli film and just sort of throw it into a video game we're going to work with that team to kind of go like, cool, what is it that makes your movies great? What is it that makes these JRPGs kind of work? And how do we meld those two things in a perfect way? And actually, those films and just the way that Miyazaki makes films look, right? It's so beautiful that, yeah, it makes sense that would be in a video game. Of course it does. Um, so there's maybe like, like you said, it's it's less of a, I think, a license and a franchise thing and more of kind of going, what works and how do we move it over? Like, Battlefront makes sense to an extent it's star wars so get the people that make war games and wrap them up in star wars costumes <laughs> that's a no-brainer of course you do that like there's super low-hanging fruit whereas like <laughs> the avengers stuff i mean don't get me wrong don't charge me through the nose for every different color stormtrooper that's <laughs> mental but then you've got like the avengers game where i'm like you're trying to take like none of this is there's <laughs> moments in that game where you feel like an avenger but most of the time you feel like you're churning and, and just working through for loot. It's just not very fun. But that's the thing, right? They're, they're, they're not making games to make interesting mediums. They're making games to make money. That's what I see when I see those. If you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive Ford Nord a little bit because it, everyone wants to be a Jedi as much as they want to be Batman, I think. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, Battlefront is just another loot extracting parasite if you ask me some ways maybe it's not i mean it feels like it felt like that yeah when it launched it was and that's why it failed right and this is the warrior behind the new games you know are they gonna just in an open world game it's like well this is why i'm a bit like reluctant about the whole thing it's like is it just gonna be another you know do something interesting it's like we were saying earlier just do something interesting of it that's that's what i think i hope I would say, I mean, the other, it's weird because they almost feel like the two things, right? But I always said that like a great Iron Man game would have been cool. You start this game as Tony Stark straight out of the cave, right? 
you're stuck in the garage, you've got this suit of armor that you can kind of do stuff with. And you work through the game trying to, you know, like in the first movie where he's trying That's to get good, rid of yeah, yeah. stuff. And as you're doing that, you're Iron Man. So it's natural in a video game where you want to do things and get progression to just keep upgrading the suit and making it cooler and cooler and mm-hmm. building your own little kind of build of Iron Man. Like the Mandalorian's another one. That's super easy. You're telling me that you can't take the Mandalorian and just make it a third person shooter and just customize the armor, stuff like that. There's stuff that I feel like is super low hanging. It's why that open world thing where I'm like, I don't know what an open world Star Wars looks like. I don't know. Maybe they're going to show us something that we're not yeah. expecting. But the, the archi- they, they might they might not focus on Jedi. They might just focus on the other more interesting characters around, you know, or the yep. character types, so to speak. And that could yep. make a more interesting game. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing, right? Is that the one thing that, that open world game can do really well is Star Wars is so much of just Jedi's, 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 and actually, there's we know from the Mandalorian TV show that came out and the, the Clone War stuff. There's a whole universe of stuff there that we've not touched on. So yeah. actually, it's a great place to go. Let's make a big open world. Let's get hundreds of writers in, which they do for most of these open world games anyway, to just write content, just volumes of content, and just give them a world where they can just go and discover Star Wars stuff that they didn't know that was there before. Mm. Maybe that's what we do it. Just going on Chris's point with movies and games, just trying to make money, there was one game that I did enjoy, and it was Alien. Oh, yes. Because with the VR and the Kinect had that had that aspect that if you made a noise and you're connected yeah. at all yeah i have never screamed so much in my life. <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> it's I told, so good i told my i told my wife about that i said uh, yeah so i have to sit here in quiet because the mic picks my voice up and she was yeah. like no really so she used to come into the room and start shouting at the tv just as i was hiding <laughs> under a table and the alien would attack me so i i did lie earlier when i said there wasn't the, the alien uh, isolation was fantastic yeah. that was a really well executed but it wasn't focused around the main that's characters the thing, so it wasn't, it, exactly yeah. and that's what yeah. made it good it was very clever it was, it was that, that's got to be the linchpin right like that's the genius of that game is going what's the crux of alien well, that people are trying, that people are stuck on a ship with an alien. Yeah. So let's just make a video game where you're stuck on a ship with an alien. You're like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Why would you not do that? Terrifying. I might have to replay that actually. So, anyway. Yeah, when you think about alien colonial marines, we're like, oh, let's make a first person shooter where you're chasing aliens down. I'm like, who the fuck would do that? No. <laughs> now, arguably, Alien vs. Predator, the game, is uh, is very good. Um, so there's another, there is another one, the, f- the very first one where you can play either as an alien, either or as a predator, or as a, a marine. I will also throw out Predator Hunting Grounds, which is out at the minute. is an awful. It, it's a pretty good version <laughs> of that. Where like, it is a little bit annoying where you have to be soldiers. You're like, I'm just running around scared of being hunted by this predator. <laughs> but actually, if you watch Predator the film, like, yeah, it's Arnie trying to hide from a predator and work out how is he hunted? Is he hunter? That's kind of what that game feels like. It does a pretty good job of it. Mm. So there's examples of it, but. Yeah, more creative than just, oh, let's just slap a Star Wars skin on it. Yeah. That would be nice. Cool. I love that what we've got there is, like, oh, what, pro- what franchise properties would we like to see come to video games? We would not. <laughs> Get the and ones that you're yeah, doing right. Get the yeah. ones that you're coming across do right, done and right, right? That's what we want. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, magic. Cool. Uh, so we'll jump over to Gareth, who, who I'm sure has something terrifying or unnerving or just weird um gareth gets together every week and kind of shows us an odd game trailer that he's found somewhere so we're going to go over to gareth and his odd game trailer of the week 
Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Gareth's Odd Trade of the Week. So this week is going to be a slightly different process. Um, I'm going to show some gameplay footage off a trailer that I found on Facebook. So let's see that first, and then we can talk about the trailers. So, as you can see, the gameplay is, well, not very good. It's like a standard um, Farmville-type sort of gameplay. Um, now, let's watch the trailer for this particular game. So yeah, as you can see, the trailer looks nothing like the gameplay. And you'd think, sure, that's the end of my segment and that's it. No, because when I was getting all this together, I found another trailer thinking it was for the same game with a slightly, you know, bit more of a style. I was like, oh, okay, is this better? When I looked into it, it was for a completely different game. Uh, even though they use the same models in the trailer, the same process, I mean, the same intro, pretty much, she comes in on the island, um, but it was for a completely different game. I didn't get any gameplay footage for that one, but yeah, it's just really, really odd. <laughs> So there's a company out there selling these trailers for these rubbish game mobile things. And I, I don't know. I mean, what do they offer? Do they say, oh, yeah, do you just want the standard one that we do for everyone? I mean, it's, I mean, sure. Okay. The other, the other game was a, a, a farming game, but it looks different. It looks different to the, to the gameplay footage that I showed you at the start. So. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on with these companies. Um, maybe, uh, maybe uh, the people uh, will be able to give me a bit more of an insight, uh, Chris and Tom. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, also, just just to show you how odd, how many odd trailers or adverts I get now. I'm going to show you uh, a little clip or a little image of the sort of adverts I get. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get adverts for that. It's just, why? I mean, but anyway, I do this for you guys. <laughs> I do it for the arcade vaults. Uh, makes me giggle. This one was a bit more of a rant, I guess. I was a bit more angry about this one. Um, just because I was like, why have you got two trailers the same? Anyway, <laughs> next week will be another game 
trailer that's odd or doesn't make me angry, maybe I'll just change the segment to Gareth's angry trailers. I don't know. Anyway, see you next week. Bye. Well, thank you, Gareth. Uh, <laughs> never ceases to amaze. We will move casually on. Um, God, that, that man... I don't know what he does to get advertisers to, to throw him this he's, stuff. He's, uh, he, the more he looks, he's complained about this, the more he looks at odd trailers, the more odd trailers he gets recommended. Uh, I think he's got a real problem now with that. He's not getting any decent recommendations for games to play. He's just getting all these weird, weird trailers. So, <laughs> he's uh, just in a cycle yeah. of madness. He's in a cycle of madness, so I like that, yeah. Cool. Well, moving swiftly on... Um, We'll jump on to our uh, recommendations of the week, I think. We will. Cool. So, I reckon, as you're the guest, Kelly, <laughs> we will let you go first. What have you been playing? What are you enjoying? And what would you recommend people jump in and play? Okay, so I have two. Um, reason being, I usually play a lot of multiplayer games, but because of lockdown life, I needed a game that will keep me entertained for more than a couple of hours. So I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, I've never actually played an Assassin's Creed game before. <gasps> Shock, I know. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, but everyone was like, you need to pick this up. It's Vikings, open world, it's beautiful, play it. And needless to say, I have been playing it for hours. And it turns out I'm only on like 10% because I haven't touched the main story. So <laughs> um, wow. absolutely loving it. It's... Um, for someone who's never played an Assassin's Creed game as well, I'm not a trophy hunter. Like, I, I'm not really fussed about getting everything 100% in game plan and, and stuff. But, oh, my God, I have lost so many hours into this game. And I'm really enjoying it. Um, so mm -hmm. that would be my campaign game. But for multiplayer, I tend to always go back to it. It's Dead by Daylight. Um, they've now decided to do cross-platform phenomenal. Um, it's really great. Like, some of my friends have it on Xbox, PC, so... The fact that I can now play with them is just amazing. Um, they've upgraded it a lot as well. So graphically, it's chef's kiss. And the whole new characters that they've introduced now. So you've got, obviously, Mike Myers, Ghostface. You've got Texas Chainsaw Guy. I can't remember his name. But there's so many. If you love horror and you, you want to just have a game where it's a co-op, any form of multiplayer, um, and you love horror, it's it's one of those games. And it's, it's just phenomenal. Um, I think it's only 20 quid now as well to buy on most platforms as well. Okay. So, yeah, I, I do love it. I've been playing it for four years now, so since day one. <laughs> it's like um, one of the, the few like memorable streams that I have was watching, I want to say it was you and Becky playing yeah. last mm -hmm. year at one point, and it was hilarious. Like It was so funny. Literally, yeah, because when, when the killer's near you, um, the whole point of the game is you have to turn on a generator and survive, that's it. Um, there's five generators around, but when the killer's near you, you hear a heartbeat, and it's when it's that moment where you hear the heartbeat, but you can't see the killer, and then you're like, right, I've got to fight or flight. And then the game, you don't actually fight in it, you just got to run, and it's it's intense, it's intense, but it's, it is a good laugh, and it's, it's a lot more strategic now with perks and stuff like that as well. So for a game... That I've been playing since day one. It had its bugs by all means. I had lag issues, I had connective um issues as well, but it's just really grown and it's it's something that's gonna have, I think, a lot more years um growing and just expanding. So highly recommend for any horror fans that want to okay. play co-op. 
platforms done wonders for that game because I know, like mm-hmm. with Predator Hunting Grounds, when that first launched, the problem you have with a game like that is everyone wants to be the killer, everyone wants to be Predator, everybody wants to be Mike Myers. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance the player base where people aren't going to be dropping out? But I guess mm-hmm. as soon as you've got crossplay, there's such a wealth of players that it must be so much better. Yeah, and then it's it's also ranked as well. So you're played not only with people on a similar skill set as you, but you you would actually be surprised. There's a lot more people who want to play as a killer than a survivor. So it it probably takes around two minutes to get into your first game, and then after that, it's, it is quickly um quickly sorted into your next one. So mm-hmm. yeah, highly recommend if it ever does come back on. I got mine actually for PlayStation Plus because it was like the game of the month. Who <laughs> was it? I missed that. When <laughs> was that? Yeah. Uh, oh, it was back last June oh, or sorry, something, yeah. yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's on Game Pass as well. Yeah, Game Pass again. So, yeah. You got access to PC now, Chris? That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty sure it's on Game Pass for PC as well. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, time is always the issue with these things because this is the thing I, I, I've, I've seen that game and I thought that's the kind of game I could get into that's the kind of game we could stream as well actually yeah, we'll really later. Uh, but um, I, it's time I haven't got the time to do it and it, yeah, I feel like I'd, I'd, I just sink hours and hours into playing that I feel but yeah you know I'll go next Okay. just because just cause I can knock it on the head and move on because there's so much nonsense with this game <laughs> okay. I mentioned earlier on um, that Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, the game that launched and died a death immediately and then has slowly gone through it seems to be a trend for a lot of these games where they have to then go through a recovery process of trying to undo all the damage um, but Star Wars Battlefront 2 is what I've been playing um, it's I think it's easy to forget because of all the nonsense around it and all the launch stuff and microtransactions that actually, when it comes to a first-person shooter of just high quality, um, dice are incredible. Like, this is a, a lot of the same team that made the Battlefield games and stuff. So it's visually the best Star Wars has ever looked. It's unbelievable. Like, it's so detailed. Um, they added a few years ago a bunch of the Clone Wars stuff to it. So they? they kind of added, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker from the Clone Wars and things like Geonosis and stuff. So there's a lot more content than there used to be there, which is good. Um, And they've launched it for free on the Epic Game Store. Um, So I've been trying to play it on PS5. I don't think PS5 properly cross-plays with PS4 players because trying to get into a game when, you know, their big 30-player matches was a nightmare. Um, But actually, because it's up on Epic Game Store, I've been playing it on PC, the player base is through the roof. Like, they cannot, they don't have enough service to manage the playbase, and actually, mm. it's a really fun game to play again. Um, so, would I recommend that you pay for it? Absolutely not. Go and pick it up now that it's on the Epic Game Store. There's not going to be any kind of future updates or anything, but <coughs> there's a huge amount of content there. All the players that you had to grind for hours for once upon a time, they're all there. They're unlocked off the gates. So you can play as anybody, um, which is really cool. And then there's, there's kind of cosmetic stuff that you can unlock, but they've also rebalanced the way that you earn in-game credits so that it's actually very reasonable and manageable to get your cosmetics and stuff so it, it feels like it has an achievement line now as opposed to before where it's like oh i don't have another hundred pounds to drop on this game for skins and things that that's all kind of gone so it is worth jumping in um it's a really good game it's a great first person shooter um and if you're a star wars fan it, it's the best star wars looks it's fantastic okay interesting all right uh, actually, I've actually got that uh, on the Epic Games, so I haven't played it yet, though. So I'm going to try it at some point. Is I, this everyone, 
it's free. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. That's why, you know, you're just like, oh, that's free. I'll, I'll download that. Add it to the queue of a thousand games. Um, speaking of a queue of a thousand games, this game has been on my queue, my recommendation, has been on my queue for such a long time. The other day, I was trying to choose between uh, three games. I put it to the to the Arcade Vaults team, which one to play. It was Horizon Zero Dawn. It was Doom, uh, the 2016 Doom, and um, uh, Dishonored 2, which I had started, but I didn't go around to just getting into and everyone said Doom at first, and then suddenly like, no, 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 play Horizon Zero Dawn. And um, you know what? I'm so glad you guys recommended that first. So I'm, I'm playing it now. It I've only played like not even not even two hours of the game, and I just love it already. It's like we were talking about open world games earlier. It's got it's got everything I like in open world games. Like it's got the best part of Tomb Raider mixed. Did you ever play a game called Enslaved? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What, yeah, I loved that game. I absolutely loved that game because I so, liked the, the whole story because it was a modern retelling of the Legend of Monkey, right? From um, yeah, anyway, so uh, it's a combination of that and um, yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, Tomb Raider and like all the all the Ubisoft kind of open world games. I love it. It's great, and yeah, I'm hooked already. That is my recommendation of the week, and uh, I, I know I'm in for a journey on that game. I can tell already. It's fantastic. Like it, it's why I was like, you have to like put put whatever you're doing down and go and play that game if you've got a PlayStation. I think if you're on PlayStation Five, it's one I, of the. Is it one of the collection mm-hmm. ones as well? So yeah, if you got a PlayStation Five, no excuse. Um, but yeah, it's incredible. Like it's the fact that that came from the guys that did Killzone. Like they did yeah, Killzone. Which, which for I look at, I, yeah, yeah, it's Guerrilla, right? Yeah, and I believe. And I and I'm thinking. I saw the title sequence pop on. I was like, oh yeah, it is Guerrilla, and I was like. And I'm already like three, like, I, and okay, obviously Killzone being a launch title, you're like, you play it, everyone played it, right? And it was a bit like, yeah. it's all right, I guess. This, yeah, it's a shit. Yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah, it, it's really good. Big robot dinosaurs, what isn't to love? Mm. Um, it, it's fantastic. And like, what I love about that is all, all the little tools and stuff that you pick up throughout the game that normally you never use, you genuinely have to use. Oh no, I need to use this now. Because that's a big robot T-Rex, and I'm not <laughs> prepared for this. And actually, you're playing open-world games in a way that I've never really played before, which is really hard to do. Like, mm. To get an open-world game come out, and for it to not feel the same as everything else, uh, yeah. it's really tough. And it always feels new and fresh and interesting, and it always feels like there's something new to do in it. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling that already. Like I say, not even two hours into it, really, and I'm just like, that's it. And I know, you know, it's not, an old, it's not a new game, but... Uh, there's a sequel coming soon, isn't there? So it's worth yeah. playing. Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's this year or next year. That's I've got to get through it now to get to the, to get to play a sequel. PS <laughs> Five first, mate. Oh wait, no, it's coming on PS Four as well, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. What you've said it's PS Four as well. I think yeah. God of War, Ragnarok, and Horizon Zero Dawn, whatever the new one is called, um, they they're both coming to PS Four as well. So you might be okay. Mm, I hope so because uh, I, I mean I'm going to get PS Five at some point. I'm sure. Anyway. If you can get one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. So those are our recommendations. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and Dead by Daylight. It's a big bonus game as well. Um, so go and check those out. I think they're, they're all PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. Yeah. 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 Cool. Magic. This is the bit where I kind of hold my hands up and go, I don't know what happens now. And I'm going <laughs> to hand over to Chris so you can go through uh, our upcoming events and, and so on.
Right. Um, there's uh, still lockdown. <laughs> not a lot happening. Uh, we we okay. Three key things. Um, we are going to start streaming again soon. Uh, we talked about this last week. We have got. Uh, we're going to have a reckless scheduled up. We're going to try and keep it through lockdown and also post lockdown and reopen. Um, that's the plan. Uh, we're going to start with Tom and I resuming where we left off with Little Hope. That's going to yeah. be uh, if anyone's been watching that. Which it was a new release. It was. It's a good game, but um, it's. I actually prefer it to the previous one. I think Man of Medan. Yeah. More yeah, I think so, it's better. Yeah, so, um, uh, we've only got a few hours into it, so we're going to try and finish that over the next few weeks streaming. That's our Monday night date night, me and Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we're going to, Wednesday, we're going to try and do, uh, Wednesdays, we are going to try and do um, retro stream, uh, potentially, or something like that. This is, this is all like, not set in stone yet, but we're working it all out. And then Friday will be like a multiplayer night. That is set in stone. We are going to play multiplayer games on Friday with the team. Um, so keep an eye on those. Uh, hopefully announced next week, the actual games that we're going to be streaming on Wednesdays and Fridays. Uh, Global Game Jam is still happening, 29th. That'll be all online. If you want to make a game in 48 hours, uh, go and check out the Arcade Vaults page and find out more about that. Uh, Normally we do it in person, but this year globally everyone's doing it remotely. So yeah, it's all right. It'll be fun. And lastly, I think did I say this last week? I can't remember. We took we're getting an updated menu. We're doing an updated menu. Yeah, we mentioned the menu. Yeah, last okay, week, we did yeah. mention the menu. All right. I forgot to say to the public that are listening: if you're interested in coming up with a perfect gaming cocktail <laughs> that we can put on the menu. Hit us up in the comments, or send us a message, or tweet us uh, via these platforms. It, if it's if it's a good cocktail, if it's interesting, we want a nice set of interesting ingredients and give it a nice name as well, a gaming name, you know. Um, then, yeah, we can put it on the menu if it's good. If we like we'll it, we'll credit you for it. We'll credit you for this, it. This, this is so and so's cocktails. Well, good. Yeah, um, you know, we we like making cocktails. You know, who doesn't like a drink? <laughs> um, that's it really it's not, there's, there's nothing much else happening but uh, you know uh, keep an eye out on our platforms for the usual um, updates uh, hopefully soon things will improve and we'll be back open um, that'll be the plan yeah, yeah. that's the plan isn't it? Um, yeah so um, amazing well that's it for the upcoming stuff Global Game Jam on the way which is going to be exciting um, I think that's it for this week, isn't it? I think we're all done. Um, thank you so much for listening, um, for continuing to listen. Uh, before we go, most importantly, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. It's been amazing having you here. Thank you for having me on. Um, it's been a laugh. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really good, right? It'll be nice when the arcade's open and we can kind of get together and do it in person as opposed to just through a yeah. stream, which will be lovely. <laughs> um, before you do go, where, where can people find you? That's yeah, the best place is, is Twitter, um, Kel, Kel Kapowski one and that's where I post everything gaming and video clips and memes and stuff. That's that's my go-to place. Amazing. 
Eighth quality content. Go to Twitter. Follow <laughs> Kelly. She's, she's worth a follow. She makes Twitter a little bit brighter than it would be otherwise. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, we need bright enough on Twitter these days, indeed. Yeah, say a brighter Twitter. It goes a long way, a long, long way. Uh, thank you so much for coming along. Yeah, um, if you're listening again, thank you for listening. Um, if you could hit us a, a like, a follow, a subscribe, all that normal stuff. Um, subscribing and rating on things like uh, iTunes podcast and Google podcast goes a long, long way. Um, and your shares and stuff of course we appreciate it um until next week chris i'll see you next week mate see you next week bye everyone bye